The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm superstar Frank Moreno. Great to be back. Speaking of stars, we're going to talk about the stars and space with Dr. Sky in just a minute. If you have any questions related to space or the stars or anything that involves looking up, you can give us a call and Dr. Sky will answer it for you. 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. By now, you have no doubt heard about this deranged attacker who stabbed two teenage tourists at Grand Central Terminal. Well, the New York Post has an interesting article today indicating that a previous victim of his, the perpetrator is named Stephen Hutcherson, the previous victim is named Yusuf Abdulli. A previous victim says this guy never should have been free to carry out this attack. And based on the details that Mr. Abdulli puts out there, it seems like he's right. He threatened a man in the Bronx just last month, and he was cut loose by a Bronx judge just two weeks before he randomly knifed a 14-year-old girl and her 16-year-old sister as they enjoyed a Christmas Day meal with their family at a restaurant in the Grand Central Concourse. He told the Post they shouldn't have let him out of jail. I don't believe it. Abdulhuli said his November 7th run-in with Hutcherson was the most dangerous encounter he's had since he moved to the U.S. from Ghana in 2008. He'd been working outside a freight truck depot in Hunts Point when he said he saw Hutcherson attacking a woman. Hutcherson, a homeless man with a lengthy rap sheet and a history of mental illness, then suddenly turned his ire on Abdulhuli yelling, why are you working for white people? I'm going to kill this man. I'm going to shoot you. I don't care what kind of green card the government gave you. Open your mouth and say something. I will shoot you right now. So at first, Abdulhuli said he thought maybe he's high and going crazy. He told the Post, I was thinking maybe he was just saying it and didn't mean it. But when Abdulhuli tried to walk into the workshop where he worked, he said the unhinged man blocked his path and showed him what appeared to be a gun tucked into his waistband. The guy pulled a gun on him and again repeated, I don't care what kind of green card you have, I'm going to shoot you right now. So Hutcherson stormed away, sucker punched another man just a block away less than 30 minutes later. He was then arrested at a nearby gas station. And he was freed by a Bronx judge in time to attack these two teenagers on Christmas Day. As Yogi Berra would say, it's getting late early, folks. It's getting late early. I am not someone that tries to add to the hysteria of the crime problem in New York, but there's just no excuse for this. We've got to make some changes pronto. This man never should have been free to do this. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. I know a thing or two about parking tickets. I've gotten many a parking ticket over the years. And this is the story of what may end up being one of the most expensive parking tickets in Jersey City, New Jersey history. But it's the city, not the scofflaw, who's on the hook 
for the bill. Listen to this. Jersey City will pay a deaf man $175,000. That's $175,000 of your money if you're a Jersey City taxpayer. To settle a federal lawsuit filed after the city's municipal court failed for months to provide a sign language interpreter when the man tried to fight the ticket in court. The city council approved the settlement and three other unrelated lawsuits for another $240,000 the week before last. On August 20th, a federal judge ruled in Ryan Cuevas' favor that Jersey City had discriminated against him and the case was headed for a trial to determine the amount of damages. By agreeing to the $175,000 settlement, Mr. Cuevas dropped his lawsuit. Cuevas had been cited for parking his car in a bus lane on August 22, 2019, even though he was allowed to do so at that time of night. But just days before his January 2020 hearing in Jersey City Municipal Court on the parking ticket, Cuevas's driver's license and registration were suspended from a separate infraction, and he needed to have his parking ticket resolved to get his license back. So Cuevas's request for an interpreter was denied, and his case was postponed until the court's interpreter day in March. But when he returned to court to Two months later, the interpreter never showed up. Cuevos was eventually found not guilty, by the way, when he ultimately did get a hearing. I guess the lesson here is if you're a Jersey City cop or a cop anywhere, be careful who you give a ticket to. And if you're dealing with someone that's fighting this ticket and they need an interpreter, make sure there's one there. Otherwise, you might be on the hook for $175,000 instead of the person you're writing the ticket to. I actually know a judge in Jersey City. I'm going to ask her about this because I'd be curious to hear her perspective. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Once January 1st comes along, there are a whole bunch of new laws that are taking effect in New York. For instance, we will now be a state that celebrates Lunar New Year in schools. You're going to get off for Lunar New Year. The minimum wage is going up to $16 an hour. The religious dietary food options in prison are about to be much better. If you're kosher or you need a halal meal or other religious dietary food options and you're incarcerated, you will soon be able to get it. And uh, now they're also making some changes to how victims and survivors of crime can be compensated. We've talked a lot about the Adult Sexual Survivors Act, and I'm glad they didn't expand the look-back period to decades ago, and that is finally coming to an end. But I do think the signing of this compensation for crime victims, while it may sound good, and it may sound like exactly the type of thing that helps people that are victims of crimes, especially if their perpetrator remains unpunished. I think there are some potentially very troubling aspects of this. The law expands the eligibility for victims and survivors of crime to access victim compensation funds. This includes by removing the mandatory law enforcement reporting requirement and providing alternative forms of evidence and the confidentiality of certain records. My fear is... And again, if you're the victim of a crime, I think you should be paid, especially if it's something where you're injured and you're forced to take time off from work or uh, take time away from things that are important parts of your life. My fear, though, is without this law enforcement reporting requirement, 
I'm fearful that you might have people just claiming, absent any real significant evidence, that they're victims of crimes. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win these cases. They're still ultimately going to have to go before a jury. I just think that is a big thing to remove, to not even require any sort of documentation of something like a police report. It gives me a little pause that maybe this is a win for the trial lawyers more than it is for the victims of crime. I hope I'm wrong. We'll see where it goes. But that's one that I sort of raise my eyebrow at. Beam me up. To be continued. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. Well, finally, we, the public, will get to have our say. Now, I have no thought at all that this is going to change the outcome, which seems to be already predetermined, but I am going to speak up loudly and bitterly, and I hope you will join me. What am I talking about? Well, the MTA is finally going to let opponents of congestion pricing weigh in on the plan and ask questions. The agency announced a public comment period will begin on Wednesday and run through March 11th. During the period, the public will be invited to provide comments through several methods, including submitting written comments online and by email, mail, fax, and even phone by leaving a voice message. All comments will be recorded and submitted for review. There are also going to be four hearings. They'll be accessible online, and uh, they're going to be February 29th, March 1st, March 4th in the morning, and March 4th in the evening. People who want to speak at these hearings in person are required to register in advance online uh, through the MTA's website or by calling the public hearing hotline at 646-252-6777. Registration will open one week before the start of each hearing and will close 30 minutes after the beginning of the hearing. The hearings will be hosted in person at the 20th floor boardroom at 2 Broadway. People can also register to participate remotely via Zoom or telephone. Speakers are limited to only two minutes. Now, this commentary that I just gave you is two minutes. It takes me two minutes to say my own name. But I am absolutely going to be speaking up about this, and I hope you will too. I hope they have to stand there for hours or sit there for hours and listen to New Yorker after New Yorker explain about how congestion pricing is going to hurt all of us. If you're not up on the details, congestion pricing would impose a $15 fee on vehicles entering Manhattan below 60th Street. Additionally, trucks would pay $24 to $36 depending on size. Motorcycles would pay $750. Taxis would pay $1.25 and rideshare vehicles would pay $250. Additionally, the MTA reserves the right to increase the congestion pricing toll 25% on gridlock alert days, possibly up to 1875. I'm going to be speaking up against this. I don't know what good it'll do, but at least nobody will ever be able to say Frank Morano didn't speak up about this. I hope you'll and you'll sign up and testify in these hearings as well. Beam me up. To be continued. 
Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.